Um, before we do, though, is there anything we should not ask about? Um, my sexual preference, my list of fears, how many government lists I'm on, whether I prefer Pokemon Sword or Pokemon Shield, and most importantly, please don't make me do any voice requests as Nintendo characters because they're very strict about that. Okay. Uh, right. uh, well, there there goes our entire podcast. Thanks for being yep. on, oh. Sean. It was a uh, great. Yeah, it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure having, having you. you. <laughs> I'll see you guys before five next time. Maybe they'll be different <laughs> and better. Anything you say now will be broadcast live on twitch.tv slash polyhead. Epstein didn't kill himself. Epstein didn't kill himself. I was going to make the same joke. (laughs) (laughs) Great minds. Great minds. Yeah, you see, I hadn't actually considered streaming this at all, but then Dingus co-host over there is like, "Hey, everybody, we're streaming!" I'm like, "Wait, what?" I hadn't, I hadn't considered to stream this at first, but then common sense kicked in, and I went, "Duh." I'm gonna deflect the blame to over to Sayara because Sayara did a socks cast art, and I'm just like, "Oh, so we're doing this." That socks cast art is great. It is great. My favorite part is that you're not on it. Yeah, same. You're probably <laughs> under the desk. Yeah, there you go. Huh. Trust me, like if it's if it's streamable, it's worth streaming. The only reason why I don't already stream like the video games that I play so that people can experience them is because I don't know the first thing about setting up the tech, and I don't even know if I have the space in my apartment for the tech. But I there are so many times that I was playing stuff like Etrian Odyssey or even my my replay through of Jade Cocoon Two, where I was like, God, I wish I could be doing my running commentary and having people to interact with while I did this. Dude, you would be. Unnatural. People would love I know, you. I know. Dude, There's a st- lot of things in life that I'm like, mm, I don't want to make any assumptions, but I know that I would more than easily have running, you know, interaction with people watching at the same time. You, so, dude, streaming's easy. I am an idiot <sighs> and I do it. It's also <laughs> finding the time because that's a good point. My career mm-hmm. is doing very well. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> I want to make sure I make time for my wife, too. But, you know, if Joe Zija, he was in Fire Emblem Three Houses. If he can manage to do it several nights a week, I can probably manage to do it. A, a number of uh, I, the Somnium Files actors and actresses streamed that game as well. So, yeah. There you go. There you go. There you go. You didn't. I didn't. You didn't. I am an idiot. You, you are. But you're our idiot. I'll tell my wife I'm now in a polyamorous relationship oh boy (laughs) you know i'm glad you're coming coming hard with the jokes tonight Uh, because as i was telling after five before we step before we pulled you in i woke up sick as a dog this morning (laughs) and i was like oh no this is terrible so thank you for, for making you know, the I evening. don't know if you ever heard this story, but I was actually sick as a dog the very first time I recorded for East 8, uh, Memories of Salsetta. Oh, um, for real? I was, I, we had just, we had done a one day fly out for my stepbrother's wedding. And either on the flight there or being in a different atmosphere or on the flight back, I caught something and I was super grungy, like super sick. Oh, no. But they, they weren't able to reschedule, so they just had me come in and record for the role. Well, here's the thing. Hummel is, you know, one of those guys who doesn't like to talk about his past much, and he, he keeps to himself, you know? Right, right. But because yeah. of how sick my throat sounded, I had, like, this Steve Bloom raspiness. Ooh, nice. But, 
But I didn't have to, like, drop my pitch down and, like, add the gravel. It just happened naturally. So I was able to make him sound, you know, like 16, 17 years old while also giving him that, that Steve Bloom raspiness that made him sound cool and edgy. It was the perfect voice. That's... And, and it, was, it was literally the epitome of working with what you've got. And I totally threw my voice out in the process because you're not supposed to be performing when you're sick. Anyway, uh, NAS America ends up revamping the script after getting feedback and so they have me come back in to re-record my character so, <laughs> oh uh, no oh no so, so you know how they always warn you like don't audition when you're sick because if you get cast and you come in and you can't do the voice again you're gonna take everybody else off right so this, this was a case where i legit was so happy with how he sounded the first time and it was like there's no way I could get myself back there unless I, like, deliberately... You know, imagine most people driving to sessions would warm up by doing, you know, la, 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 mm, you know, warm up their vocal cords. <laughs> right, right. I would be doing the opposite, where I'm just screaming bloody murder until I tear my vocal cords apart, so that when I come in, they're like, how you doing? I'm like, yeah, I'm ready to go, let's do this. <laughs> I, I, I explicitly trained for 30 minutes. Before coming into the session, I've never sounded better. Let's do it. <laughs> Puts a whole new <laughs> like spin on that I'm character. Just, Joker, Joker, where, where did you take Harley? Where's Harley Quinn? I have to <laughs> save her. You never went full Marge Simpson, did you? Oh, homie! <laughs> Literally. <laughs> no, we, we have to stop the bad guy, homie. If he destroys the world, Maggie will be sad. <laughs> Uh, my Marge is not as good as my Miss Piggy. My Miss Piggy is way better. Oh, oh. Could, could you hit on After Five as Miss Piggy? Oh, God. Hmm. Well, I can think of many things we can do after five. <laughs> they all take place uh, after Piggy, five. I, I would appreciate it if you, you know, we were married. We were. Shut the fuck up, Kirby! Whoa! <laughs> good thing that wasn't a Nintendo voice. Muppets now announced for Switch. Shit! Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, God. Sorry, is this a PG-13 stream? Uh, absolutely fucking not. <laughs> okay, awesome. And there it is. No, you can say anything you want on this podcast. You were, like, you were like, well, it was. But hey, YouTube Kappa, right? So we gotta make sure it's not for kids. So, I, I deliberately marked all of my podcasts for kids uh, using that back-end thing, so... <laughs> I look forward to being banned from YouTube very soon. It was a very smart move on my behalf, I have to say. Hey, At everybody! Least kids in the moon pies. <laughs> there you go. Good thing I still got that moon pie scholarship going. <laughs> Hello, everybody! You've just stepped into the middle of dog do, or as we like to call it, another hot steaming episode of the Socks Cast. I'm your good pal, Polly. I'm the host, as always, and I'm joined today by, well, somebody who's not actually a regular host. I just brought him in because he's here to play the role of squeeing fangirl today. Wait, I'm here I to just be a parasitic host today. I'm just here to leech <laughs> off of your followers and your views and then leave you and never call back. All five of them. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, After Five is here. <laughs> hey, that makes six. Which if is after five. And if he was on an episode of SpongeBob SquarePants, he would be Squeedward. Squee, <laughs> squee. See the joke did there? You, did you hear about the Squidward spinoffs that they're making? They're making a Squidward spinoff? Oh, really? Yes. And 
Uh, it's my understanding that the showrunner creator for SpongeBob deliberately said he was not interested in having any spinoff shows made because that's not what the show was intended to be the catalyst for. But of course, he's dead now. So what does Nickelodeon care? Right, right. That's uh-huh. I. I had no idea that one there was a, there was going to be a Squidward spinoff, and that two, like the original creator, was not interested at all. That's a bit of. Whew. What if they asked you to do a voice for that though? Uh, that's a good question. Where are you at morally my, on that? I, I, I'm obviously going to do my research first and see if that actually was the case. But, um, I believe the, the creator for SpongeBob, he died from Lou Gehrig's disease, right? Yeah, he ALS. did. Yeah, just, uh, I would say, what was that, four or five months ago or something? Yeah, that so been that that's, long ago. that's definitely something that hits a lot closer to home for me than for most people. So... I'd look up. I'd see what his wishes were. And if it goes against that, you know, I might, I might, out of solidarity... Listen to me. I'm going to get myself blacklisted from Nickelodeon. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. And it's all because of my dumb podcast. Ladies and uh, gentlemen, <laughs> today we have a very special guest with us, of course. As you've heard, he's been regaling us with these amazing stories uh, concerning, the, you know, the, the, the voice acting industry. So obviously he's a voice actor. And as the, the script, the, 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 the contract says, I have to say, greatest voice actor Alive, way better than that chump, <clears throat> D-Mac. Sir. Uh, sir. Sir. You forgot the sir. 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 He's... Welcome, Sir Sean Chiplock, ladies and gentlemen. Ah, yes. It is a pleasure to be here from the wonderful kingdom of England. How are you tonight? I'm very good. It's amazing that you were able to hide your English accent this whole time. Oh, of course. You know, whenever I need to sound like an American, I just take my IQ, cut it in half, and double it. It's as easy as that. <laughs> Son of a bitch. I'm sorry. That wasn't supposed to happen. I said, when I need to sound like one of you peasant Americans, I just take my IQ, cut it in half, right. and then, and this is the important part, right. I double it. You double it. Right, I you got it. But not before cutting it in half. You have to cut it in half before cut, you double it. Some people right. say you can double it and then cut it in half. I do not recommend it. That's how you end up sounding Swedish. Yeah. Nobody wants to sound like the Swedes. No. No, that that would be bad. For those not in the know, though, me and Sean, like, hey, we got some history. Oh, yeah, we do. Yeah, it turns out that we played some crappy game on Steam a few times together. I can't remember what it was. It was like Steam Night. Spiral Nights. Spiral Nights. Yeah, we played it's that. It's still going, by the way. And it's still going, and I hated it. Spiral Nights was how I learned how to play in-game marketplaces because one of my guild members was like this accountant who liked to play he liked to play the auction house for fun and he basically taught me how to how to figure out what items were in demand and were the easiest to to farm craft but required just enough effort that most people weren't going to do it and by the time this was back when it still cost like the premium currency to use each floor in a span of like three months of just running a certain boss over and over and over again, I had at least four years worth of premium currency from just making and selling items on the auction house, not even using a single real world dollar. So I owe every ounce of free play time I got in that game to him. Wow. That's nuts. I, (laughs) I knew that like you were always playing that game. I had no idea you were like literally the boss of that game. um, To boil it down to its most basic, to boil it down to the most basic mathematics. It was about, you spent about 500, 600 energy to run the thing enough times to be able to make the item. Mm -hmm. Then it cost about 
three to four thousand energy to craft it and then usually to roll for like one of the really good bonus effects and then if you got a good bonus effect you could sell it upwards of for twenty five thousand so even with a crappy one you could usually sell it for between eight thousand to fifteen thousand so you usually made your money back but it did not take long to have like eight hundred thousand energy to spend when most <laughs> floors cost you ten per That's... use and you are now blacklisted by the creator of Spiral Knights. That's two in one episode. You have been you blacklisted. You are now the moderator of Pyongyang. Oh, gee. <laughs> uh, so you've also, like people might not know, you've actually written for SocksMakePeopleZexy.net. Yes. I, I think I only wrote once, but it yes. was for one of my favorite childhood games of all time, mm -hmm. uh, Mega Man Legends slash Mega Man 64. Yeah, uh, that was during one of our 31 days, 31 updates th uh, things, I think. And I remember just getting, like, a random email from, like, you know, this this Sonic Mega guy, whatever, wants to write for your dumb site. And I was like, well, fine. I need content for that day. Put it up. So I have to say, I have to say, in comparison to most of the articles written there, like, how did mine compare in terms of how much extra formatting you had to do to put it on the site? Like, was it really clean and organized, or did you look at, like, a hot mess of, of basic HTML and go, ugh? Yours Jesus was, I, if I remember properly, one of the easier ones, uh, because you had done some pre-formatting, and it was just like, okay, this, this works. I can just throw this in the template. We are done. Some people over the years, though... I'm looking out at some of you who are probably listening to this right now, staring daggers into my microphone, praying to God each and every one of them severs your kidneys from your body thing. Right. That's, yeah. Hey, Sean! What up? <laughs> who the hell are you and what do you do? Oh. <laughs> well, you can, you can highlight the article with voice of this character in the future if you want. I will um, absolutely do that. <laughs> so, uh, I'm a professional voice actor. Some of the recent stuff I've been able to talk about, in fact, last night, I double premiered on Toonami as the voice of uh, Guido Mista in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 5 Golden Wind, and also as Demon in the Bog from Demon Slayer, which is a union anime production. Oh, Ooh. They're doing union anime now. They're I'm doing... so excited. That's crazy. That's really awesome, and I am super glad to hear that. But most what? people know me as either Ravali, Teba, and the Great Deku Tree from The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Mm -hmm. Yeah, small game. It was release day for the Nintendo Switch, one of the top-selling games of all time. Very... Even managing to get out Ocarina of Time. Yeah, it's, it's pretty fun. It's a very Maybe cute it'll come little indie. Eventually. It's a cute little indie <laughs> game. It's a cute little indie game. Yeah, it's a cute little indie I love the retro graphics. Yeah, that's uh, perfect. Also, uh, Mishima Yuki, also known as the Slapping Boy from Persona 5, <laughs> yep. who just exists to be friend-zoned by absolutely everybody. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> fun, fun fact. The closest I have come to someone recognizing what Rivali is outside of a convention center, like, it, like just in general everyday life, the closest I have come to someone recognizing that character is when someone said, as they often do after I say I'm a voice actor, oh, what would I have heard you in? And I said, well, most people know me as Rivali, the bird character from the newest Legend of Zelda game, Breath of the Wild. Like, I force-fed it to them. And the response I got was, verbatim, and I quote, oh, I had a Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a good 
reply. I love I love I have lots of Nintendo tapes at home. The second the only thing that beats it was when I was waiting in front of an Apple store and I was wearing my Mega Man. It's it was one of those Mega Man since 1986, you know, like one of those t-shirts. And this woman, this very enthusiastic older woman with an iPad comes up to me, points at my shirt and goes, my son loves Minecraft. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Now I kind of like I wish I had known all of this beforehand because we would have just done this entire interview based on roles you've never had. That would have been perfect. (laughs) Tell us what it was like to be SpongeBob. (laughs) It's the funniest thing. Like. It's just proof of how you never actually know what you sound like to other people mm-hmm. because I, so many times I've had people say, hey, was this you? And I listen to the advertisement and it's this guy who's like down here who's just – it's not even like remotely close to my voice. And I'm just like, no. <laughs> That's not me at all. I am small babby boy. You're a small babby pure, pure boy. Oh, yeah. I'm also – the last one I'll note – uh, I was uh, like two years ago. I auditioned for this thing called Mr. Love Queen's Choice, and, and and the audition it looked like it was your your simple visual novel dating style game. You know, my wife had once played a couple of those on her phone, and I auditioned for this character named Kiro, who's supposed to be this like charming pop superstar. And at the time, you know, th- this is exactly what happened with Danganronpa. I was like, oh, you know, this is cute. It'll be like a one, two session gig uh, for, you know, a visual style dating sim mm-hmm. um, or a visual novel dating sim. And I managed to book the role like they contacted me like eight months later saying, hey, remember when you auditioned for this thing like almost a year ago? Well, we're ready to start up and you got booked as this character. And I go in and now eight months after that. We're still recording. Like, whoa! I think this is the second most profitable project I have worked on, uh, besides one that I can't talk about yet. Mm-hmm. And then Breath of the Wild. No, actually, it, first place I can't talk about yet. Mm-hmm. Second place is this visual novel dating sim mobile phone game. Third place is Freedom Planet, and then fourth place is Breath of the Wild. Wow! wow. Like the, the the fact that like one production goes on this long for 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 like a game. Like I don't really hear that being the case too often it's it's not like even persona 5 when i was brought on for persona 5 it was no i'll give a better example when i came back for reen schwarzer for trails of cold steel 3 which is another thing i've been voicing in trails of cold steel 3 came out in september please support the official release um reen schwarzer the main character in the game Mm -hmm. and i had like four sessions total maybe Mm -hmm. like two Two for story, one for uh, uh, miniature side cutscenes, and one for battle efforts and and pickups, and that was it. So, 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 like when you like, like, I know that the X Seed version of those games, those had way more dialogue. So, were those sessions like, were there more of those sessions, or was it comparable when like the property moved over to Nisa? Well, you you, you have to understand first of all, uh, the only reason why there were more voiced lines in the Exceed version was because somehow, and I don't know the full story behind this, after the original publication of the game, Exceed was able to convince Falcom to let Exceed add more voiced lines in the game. Mm-hmm. This is something exclusive to the English dub of the game. Yeah. It's not available in the Japanese. 
The reason why Reen speaks so infrequently in both versions is on the Japanese side, Reen's voice actor is way more popular and famous than I am. Oh! And so he was way more expensive <laughs> way more, than yeah, I am. Yeah, oh, wow. Yeah. So oh, interesting. they couldn't okay. afford to have him voice everything except, like, the major scenes. Right. Or, or everything outside of the major scenes. And the way the rule of law typically goes for dubs is... If it wasn't voiced in the original, it's not going to be voiced in the localization. Right. So I would have more than happily done more recording for Reen Schwarzer, even if it was like at a discount or completely out of my pocket. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'm not going to officially support that because please support the industry. We want to be paid fair rates. Yes. But I I just had to go with what was available. But your question was, um, repeat your question again. Okay. Yeah. Like it was just like. Was the amount of sessions that you had to do for the Exceed version the same as when you had to go do it for Nisa? Because Trails of Cold Steel 3 has significantly yeah, it was, fewer uh, voice It was lines. essentially the same. Like, okay. it, if we're talking purely without including the bonus added stuff that Exceed got to do, mm-hmm. it was pretty much exactly the same. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so I don't want I don't want people to like go on the boards and be like, oh, you know, Reen doesn't talk as often this time because NIS America took over. No, to be perfectly honest, uh, I, I couldn't tell a difference between if Exceed or NIS America localized it because everything felt exactly the same, and I mean that in the best possible way. Yeah, like so, that was a that was a big big worry uh, before that game came out. Uh, you know, like me I'm being a big you fan. Right and... now, I tweeted about this, and I'll stand by it. Mm-hmm. It was the same localization like editor. It was the same director I had worked with on the first two games. You know, they put every painstaking effort in making sure all of the original cast came back, unless they literally could not for legal reasons. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I tell people, nothing felt different, and that's the best sign I could possibly give you. That's part of why I was able to fall back into voicing Reen so easily, because it didn't seem like I was being taken in a different direction, or I was being given different context than I was used to. It, it was same as the last two times, and so it was painless, totally painless. Yeah, like, I, I recently finished the game myself, it was fantastic, I loved it. Um, and I could not tell a difference in the localization style at all. And that's what I've tried, been trying to tell people that have gone, been going into this one a bit wary. It was just like, you literally have nothing to worry about. I, I felt like it was the best work I had done so far as Reen. And I don't think that would have been possible if it felt like I'd been starting from square one again. Yeah. Like with a different director or something, I imagine that would have been an entirely, yeah, but, but there, there, there's, there's a question or two I, I, I want to ask about that in a bit. Uh, okay. But but for now, let's 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 press the rewind button on Mr. Sean Chiplock's <laughs> life. Look at you already regressing. You're a child now. Is it still after five? It's still after five. Oh, uh, we didn't go back that far. Whatever. What's up? Uh, <laughs> so I feel insulted now. I I think that now that our audience is familiar with you, I, I think that like every voice actor is going to get this question, and I always find it. The answer is unique regardless of who it is. Okay. As I've spoken to many voice actors in my time. Okay. What, is the, what was your primary motivation into wanting to get into voice acting in the first place? I don't want to die. You don't want to die. That's a good reason to do things. Uh, for real. Like, um, I don't know how long I have in this world, but I see voiceover as kind of like the one of the most realistic ways to achieve immortality. Because as long as this media exists... Uh, even after I'm dead and gone, if you have the ability to play it, whether it's through an emulator or the official release, which you will support for as long as you're able to, um, 
I can be there to perform for you and provide part of an adventure for you. And, and I don't have to be around to do that. You know, Mm -hmm. um, it was definitely more selfish when I first started. It was, wait, you mean I can take all of this rambunctious energy and, and, and shamelessness that I have and get paid for it. I'm in. Um, but it's also like, it's so weird to think about because it was something I was doing before I even knew it was a thing. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about like, there was a period of time where, you know, I watched cartoons and I, I would play games with my brother and we take turns mock dubbing the characters, but I didn't understand that that was a thing people did for money. You know what I mean? Right, right. So yeah. when it finally clicked for me, when, when I finally discovered what voiceover was, it just... Even at that point, I didn't tell myself, hey, I've already been doing this. Maybe it's a good fit. It was just the best way I can describe it is as a high school kid who was absolutely not interested in any of his subjects to have something come up that I didn't immediately go, all right, to was enthralling. It just sunk its hooks into me. And, and it was it was the first thing in my life that I cared about more than Neopets and MapleStory. <laughs> so... <laughs> So I decided I was going to stick with it. And to be honest, I'm a little scared because if 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 tomorrow I woke up and I just had no presence whatsoever in voiceover, I don't know if I'd have anything to my name. I probably have a lot more time for streaming between you and me. Um, well, there you go. But, we, like there, There's your backup career. We just get you yeah, a green screen. You we buy you all the video games and you play them for a marveling audience. I, I, you know, I'd have to make my money showing up on, on podcasts out of desperation. (laughs) Checks in the mail. Don't um, worry. (laughs) But, um, so, uh, yeah. So every day that I get to do this as, as my career, as my main source of income, I am incredibly grateful. And I try to, I try to give back to the community. That's a big part of why anytime a release comes out of something that I voiced in, I'll, I'll buy copies of it out of my own pocket and raffle them off. Um, there is a game coming out. I can't talk about it yet, but there is a game coming out that uh, I have. I, I plan on giving so many copies of it away mm-hmm. that I actually think, after accounting for taxes, I will have spent <laughs> my entire earnings from that recording session just on copies of the game that I'm going to be raffling out for free. Oh my! That's that is stunning. Like it. It, it is such a testament that you legitimately enjoy the work that you're doing, you know, just from that answer. I almost teared up from that answer. So good I job. Can't, I can't like, begin to tell you. There have been conventions that I get I get invited to that I get paid four figures to show up at. And it's just in my head, it's I'm being paid four figures to basically be praised for three days straight. My flight's covered. My hotel is covered. There's a green room with snacks. And and. It weirds me out when, like, when I offer to do like extra stuff or help out with the convention, and people are like, "Oh, are you sure? Are you okay with that?" Yes, yes, I am. Wow, you're. I'm spending my weekend getting getting to interact with fans and sign stuff and and basically be praised on my work and get paid more than I made that week. Yeah, and you are, and you're, you're literally living your best life right now. Like, it's that's absolutely stunning to me. I remember a time when I saved like two weeks of money from my library paychecks when I was a library page in order to buy my very first console for myself. Now I walk into a, like because of the industry standard for video games, 
if I go into a two-hour bare minimum video game recording session, I can walk out with that check and buy the console plus the game that it's for. That's, man, like, like, that's such a huge inspirational answer uh, to such a simple question that uh, you, you got to forgive me for a moment that I'm just kind of left stunned at the, the amount of just just um, uh, uh, realness there is. It sounds it and... sounds like bragging, but I, I have to re re what's the word? I have to remind that it's actually what keeps me humble is because the only reason this career exists is because there's enough people out there who want it or ask for it that the companies go, hmm might be best for our bottom line if we put this in our product. Yeah. Because if they figured that they could just sell it without an English dub and make approximately the same amount of money and save themselves that cost, they would do it. Absolutely. So Not not to mention the amount of flack that dubs get in the first place, which is kind of, yeah, neither here nor there. It's just a bunch of oh, whiny babies. Noob, uh, yeah. noob Cybot? There is no middle ground on my Noob Cybot. People no. either think he's the best thing that ever happened to the character, <laughs> or they think my performance is the worst thing that ever happened to the character. <laughs> and there's some people who say the reason why it's the best thing ever is because it's the worst it's thing ever. It's the worst ever. thing ever, yeah. Sometimes I, things... both worlds. It yeah. is a straight divide between this guy is so overly edgy and campy and he's trying so hard to mm -hmm. be evil. I love him versus people going why the hell did they replace jameson price like just bring him back man and i i don't let it get to me because at the end of the day i did what was fun for me it ended up being what the client wanted they're the ones who were paying me and i just made sure to come in and do the best job that i could do based on what i was hired for and if i can say with 100 percent certainty that i gave it my best shot my best effort and and my attention then there's nothing anyone else can say. I will do my best to learn from critique if I agree with it, but you're not going to make me suddenly feel like, you know, I was a waste just by saying, oh, I didn't like that voice as much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Become a casting director. You literally have no reason to feel bad if you went in and did the job you were paid to do and enjoyed exactly. that job. Yeah, like, that's that's amazing. So who were your key inspirations then? Like, who, like, were there any voices at all? Or like, any voice actors or actresses at all? From, uh, they... from the very beginning, I told people if I could have the vocal range of Kari Walgren, mm. uh, the vocal intensity of Liam O'Brien... And the interactivity and, and fan friendliness of Steve Bloom, I would never have a day in my life that I didn't work. Uh, Carrie Walgren especially is a big inspiration for me because she was one of the three judges who judged me on my AX Idol 2009 audition that got me into the final round, that won me the competition, that got me on Bang Zoom's radar in the first place. So it's, That's... it's, very, it's very weird to now have been, I think, at least one project that I've been in where Kyrie Walgren has also been a voice, to have gone from being a fresh-faced newbie who she was judging to being a colleague alongside her on a project. That's the, the, literally living the dream. It, it's, it's always, there's always a new challenge. There's always a new challenge. And I try very, very hard to avoid letting myself coast because I did once already. And it led to two years of just constant non-growth, just depreciation in my skill set. So I use that as a harsh reality check and a reminder that there is always more learning to be done or there's always more fine tuning to be done to make sure I stay on top of industry trends. Because 
the the cool red advertising of the 90s is not the same as you know the guy next door of the 2000s is not the same as you know the real guy talking of the 2010s so who knows what the 2020s are going to offer exactly like mm-hmm. it, you have to keep yourself lean mean and ready for the ever changing future maybe it, we'll just go full force buy the gum buy it buy it or we'll kill you buy it buy it i bought it i did Congratulations, your lifespan has been extended for another 90 days. I get 90 days out of purchasing things? That's... You gotta drink more Mountain Dew, dude. You need your life verification code. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, what's some early work that before becoming a professional? Uh, what are oh, the things damn. that you cut your chops on? Like, where did you get uh, those chops? There's at least a couple... Uh, Newground-style oh, dating yeah. sim games oh, that I'm not going to yes. talk about beyond that. <laughs> I know. Like, you came up with a lot of people I know from Newgrounds, like uh, Kira Buckland, D-Mac, uh, people like that, uh, from that yeah. era. So, like, I'm proud of each and every one of you uh, for coming yes. out, like, for getting as far and, as and you And that's have. where a lot of the early work came, because that's that's the f- the first place that I posted on, and I still have the, the forum link to it. That forum uh, thread is still up. <laughs> The, oh, wow. The very first place I went to when I decided I wanted to be a voice actor was the Newgrounds BBS, and I posted about how I had finally found my life's calling. And that's now a 10-page thread of people telling me, uh, good luck working minimum wage for Disney and wanting to kill yourself. So... <laughs> What's really funny is I refollowed. I necro posted in that thread seven years later, oh and I and I quote tweeted the guy who said, "Let us know how that works out for you," with like dripping sarcasm. And I went, "Hey guys, uh, sorry to revive this thread. Just thought you might want to know. I voiced in a flagship game for Nintendo Switch. Follow God your dream." Damn, but it's like the harshest fucking own I can imagine. <laughs> So, uh, so talking about early projects, you know, a lot of my early experience came from um, projects that either spawned on new grounds or uh, on the voice acting club that was, you know, budding around that time and is still very active today. Yep. In fact, the voice acting club, I believe, is now the only, the biggest, if not the only, uh, uh, cross compatible amateur slash professional voiceover hub that exists on the web in a forum sense. Yep. Um, I do know that there's the casting call club. There is also a form aspect to behind the voice actors. But when we're talking like original projects and, and both up and coming performing artists working with established veterans, the voice acting club has stood the test of time and only continues to grow further. Um, so whether it was claymation, whether it was like the Phoenix Wright parody, you know, sprite animations that were being made. Machinima was a really big thing back in that period of time. One of the earliest projects that I worked on that I still remember, it was it was a 99-cent mobile app for Halloween. It was this Halloween skeleton, and you tapped him, and he would giggle, and sometimes he would tell a joke or make a Halloween pun, <laughs> and that was it. That was, like, the first big gig. My favorite amateur gig I ever did was there was a client, there was a client on a freelancing site that wanted popular characters... Uh, making phone charging comments. So, like, I guess it was an app where you could, like, set a reminder. So when your phone was charging or when it was done charging or when it was low on battery, a character would remind you. And it was mostly voice impersonations like Yoda um, or Kermit the Frog or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But this client would always insist. They are like, can you do more? Can you do more? And I was like, "Uh, well, I can do Pokemon noises, you know, like, ah, blah. 
ah, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So they were like, sure, show us what you can do as a Pokemon. So I started doing like all these Pokemon noise, like Squirtle, Squirtle, Chimander, Bulbasaur, you know, stuff like that. Um, but the client came back and said, those sound great, except we need them to be saying the phrases. The phrases oh. being like, oh. phone charging, charging completed. So I went, oh, okay. So this became like a 30-character gig of me <laughs> doing, you know, Charmander, phone is finished charging. Oh, or, my God, that's oh good. Oh, gosh. That's real good. Phone is low on battery. You know, what would Abra sound like? You need to charge your phone. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> Abra will never be the same for me so, ever again. you know, to this day, I look back on that as my inspiration. So if you too want to grow up and voice train PA announcers <laughs> in Detective Pikachu, make sure you start with offshoot brand Pokemon charging notifications. <laughs> the more puns, the better. <laughs> Holy crap, your phone is charging. You're killing me! You're killing me, Chuplock. You're killing me. You know what? After five, hit him up. You know what? Somewhere out there, there is an individual that thought, you know, I really want my Onyx to remind me when my phone's about to die. And now, now they can have it. That's the magic of voiceover. It's all thanks to you. We appreciate your continued work. Maybe maybe someday, if they want their phone to go Itai Senpai when it's at 2%, Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe they'll find it. One of these days, we need to get a phone app that will give you head pats when you need to take your mental medication. Is I I almost guarantee you there's an app that has that uses like a gyroscope function to like you you tilt your phone and it uses the camera to look at the top of your head and if you touch your phone to your head it does a head pat. Well, going there, 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 there. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, so, I can do it as Charmander. There, there. Was that was like was that app like the moment you were like, oh, this is like the real deal now? Like I can I do this. Know. I don't know what became. I'm not one of those people who's like, I got paid. That means I'm a professional. <laughs> well, but but I mean, there has to be a point where you realized, wait a minute, I'm actually doing this. And like, was there any specific moment or role that made you think that? <sighs> I think it happens It happens in milestones, you know? Mm-hmm. For example, <clears throat> when I voiced Diabelle in Sword Art Online, you know, that was a huge deal for a ton of people. It, it wore off kind of quickly for me because Diabelle only shows up in one episode, and mm-hmm. it's a series that's going on for, like, three or four different arcs or, mm-hmm. or you know, versions of the franchise. Um, but I can understand why being on a broadcast show on Toonami is a really big step up from being on a Newgrounds animation. Right, right. Um, but part of how I keep myself humble is I try to find something about every role that I can take home with me, whether it was a challenge that I overcame or something I knew I was going to do well with and I excelled um, or just a brand new experience that had something that was my first time doing something, you know. Uh, uh, there was a project they worked on uh, within the last couple of years where that was the first time I ever had to vocalize having my throat slit while my organs were hanging out of my stomach. Um, And uh, I actually went so realistic with it that I threw up some of the soup I had had right before that session. Oh, good, good. Oh, good. They could could fully that in and be some of a funny story. The director said, first of all, Relax, you are not the first person who has done that while voicing these lines. 
Secondly, you are the first person who stayed on mic while you did it, so we can actually use that take, and we will. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> and we can just fully in the vomit part as the blood hitting the ground. There you go. Yep. Yep. I, I legit threw up soup into my hands, and, my, and I looked at my scene partner afterwards, and I said, I'm so sorry. And he was like, I was just closing my eyes so I could listen to it, so I didn't see anything. Oh, that's... Woo, that's intense. That's intense. Don't do that for real, kids. Learn your limits. Yeah, that sounds like a definite, oh, wow, I could really bust up my vocal cords doing that. <laughs> yes, yes, you can. Got anything for us after five? Um, actually, on that note about vocal cords, I was kind of wondering is do you have to do anything to sort of like maintain rest? Um, like how do you keep your vocal cords in like good shape? There's all sorts of things you can do. Obviously, warm ups are incredibly important. I was actually not very good about warming up before I had my my brief stint at Disneyland California Adventure as a Turtle Talk employee. Um, because that required you to have vocal warm ups because you were going to be talking in front of crowds all day. Um, so that taught me, you know, good warm-ups, you know, like, uh, vocal raspberries, like, stuff that I could do when I'm in the car, whether it's humming along to songs. Um, probably more important than the warm-up is the aftercare after a vocally intense session. Uh, mm -hmm. there's the Hulk juice that everyone talks about. It's a product called Ninjam Peipakoa. Uh, it's like a Chinese honey loquat throat coat that a lot of people mix into their tea. Um, usually... The mo the three step process to making sure you always recover is don't uh, don't do more than you know you're capable of. Don't actually cause damage to your vocal cords. Um, make sure that you you stay hydrated and you drink uh, you know hot teas or ginger teas, something that throat coat, anything that'll help soothe your throat afterwards. And most importantly, when you're done performing, shut the hell up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that's fair, literally, that like, one. it's the most important thing because sound is produced by your vocal cords literally rubbing up against each other. And how roughly they rub up against each other depends on how much air you're passing through your, your airways, you know, uh, how loud you're being, how projected you're being, how long you're talking for. So if you are trying to recover, logic dictates that the best way to keep your vocal cords from rubbing together even more is to not do things that would make them rub together. So, right, right. It's, it's the same way. Like if your butt is hurting, right? You don't want to fart because the sound of a fart is literally the parts of your butthole slapping. I together. have never held in a fart in my entire life. Good man. Good man. Right here. Voice actor of the century right here. I am. I am just constantly spewing shit. In fact, that that's what most of my vocal performances. No. Just spewing um, shit. Just say. Hey, but it man. is. It is. It is along the same lines. Like you gotta know. You gotta know when you're limited. <laughs> I was like. I was starting to like. Yeah, this is a great life lesson. And about two seconds later, I went. There is no way I can follow up to this without making absolute nonsense. <laughs> way to go, Polly. You led uh, me into a, a toot trap. How dare you? The toot trap. The toot traps are deadly on this podcast, Sean. I, I will warn you. So, <laughs> the podcast. 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 There you go. There you go. Uh, so, is there uh, any difference in approach that you personally take when you have to read for more than one character in any uh, specific like product or or, or presentation? Like, uh, or do you kind of approach like the many role situation like? equally like with each character kind of getting the same amount of prep. there is 
there's many there's many more cases where I've had to voice multiple characters in anime versus when I've had to voice multiple characters in the same game. Mm-hmm. Um, in most cases in the game, the characters, they generally won't cast you as multiple characters unless they were vocally distinct from each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, a good example being Archangel and his minions from uh, Catherine Fullbody, you know, Archangel is very much down here. He's very righteous and very holier than thou. Whereas the minion is like all the way up here. So there's no problem whatsoever about making those different. And that's that's you know just as easy looking at them visually as it is listening to the Japanese reference. Right, Often right. the Japanese reference will be distinct. Um, a big challenge I had to do was as Guido Mista and the Six Bullets for uh, 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 George's Bizarre Adventure. Adventure. (laughs) Um, And that was was more of a challenge because, sure, the Japanese reference, there were certain certain versions of the bullets that sounded much different from the others, but they were all relatively high-pitched, and I wanted to try and make them distinct. So my next step was, okay, well, you know, if step one, listen to the original reference, if the reference isn't distinct enough, or if there isn't a reference, you know, look at them visually. What, what do they look like, and how does that affect the voice that's in your head? Um, excuse me. And, for example, uh, bullet number one was described as being the leader of the group. You know, he's, he's very bright-eyed, he's got round eyes, he's got, like, a face mask, but he doesn't look aggressive. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I made him I made him similar to, like, a higher-pitch um, Robin from Teen Titans. You know, he's there to support everybody. No aggression whatsoever. Um, bullet number two kind of looks like his face mask or his, his markings make him look like he has goggles. So it was like, you know, maybe he's more like the cool kid, you know? He's, he's higher-pitched, but he sounds cool. He's like the Han Solo of the group, you know? Mm-hmm. Um... Number three, he's totally the slanted eye face, uh, eye markings. He's always bullying number five. So I made him, you know, the most aggressive. Like, he's always gonna, he's always gonna beat somebody up. (laughs) So it's just a, it's just a matter of, of even if they're all high pitched, Mm -hmm. just by finding these little nuances that define their personalities and vocally representing that, you can make them sound like vocally distinct characters in the process. Um... Yeah, so that's that's how I approach it. I just try to figure out, when in doubt, I always fall back on, what do they sound like in my head? Mm-hmm. Like, what, what do I imagine they sound like? And if the director loves it, great, we go with that. And if not, then I rely on the director to guide me where, it, where I need to be. Um, and a lot of workshops will tell you that. They'll say, don't, don't try and guess what you think the client wants, because chances are 99 other people are going to go for that too. Go with what your gut says, because one, you'll have made a super bold choice that may surprise the director, and they'll go, I hadn't considered that, but that really works. Um, or they'll at least appreciate that you made the choice, ask you to do something different, and now is your chance to show them that you can adapt, that you can do more than one voice, and you can take direction at the same time. Um, I, have I been rambling on too long, or can no, I give you one No, absolutely not. Like, oh, well, I have people on, like, in an interview capacity because I want to hear their stories. So the more you give us, like, hey, I can sit back and listen all day. <laughs> so there was, there was a game that I recorded for, and, and what I remember the audition side saying was that they wanted, like, It was one of your typical military-style games. So, like, everyone is some different form of, like, a military Mm hard-ass. And I saw there was one that was looking for, like, kind of like a Swedish... It said they were, like, a disco-type person. You know, they made a lot of references to disco terms or or DJ terms. And they wanted, like, a Swedish-Norwegian accent. 
Socha, I went for like the disco rave person. Let's pop it up, you know, like super camp. Now, turns out that was not at all what they were looking for. They wanted someone hard boiled who oh. was making DJ references. And and originally the guy, the people casting the project were like, oh, this isn't going to work at all for the type of game that we're going for. Mm-hmm. But the sound director heard it, laughed his ass off and said, Guys, in a game that's so full of super serious people, we've got to have something like this There's in gotta there. There's got to be levity in there somewhere. There's got to be like So it was literally a case where it was so far off base of what they were asking for that they went, we got to, we got to do it. That's... And they cast me for the character based on that. What, what is, is that? Is that a project you can tell us about? Or... I honestly don't know. Don't remember I it? I don't know. <laughs> okay. So okay. I'll have to ask permission. Uh, let, me, let me look it up and see if it's out. Okay, hold okay. on. Okay. Okay. Like I'm gonna literally type. We on... hear you typing. This is good. This is good podcast material. If you could type louder, okay. it would be great. I can, cause it was. Okay. Wait. It was released on December fourth, twenty eighteen. All right. So it's for a project called Command and Conquer Rivals. Oh, dude! I know what that is. Of course. Okay. I know what Command and Conquer Rivals is. Yes. Cool. So, so, so Cha, if you're here, like, <laughs> the super disco rave person, that might be me. And then, like, you just kind of brought that to the role yourself. Just kind of, yep. yeah. That was, like, that was purely, this is funny for me to do, and I'm having fun with it. And it ended up getting me cast. So speaking on choices, then, in, in roles that you play, whether they're made by the director or they're made by you. And I, now you can tell me I'm, I'm full of shit on this one. But as I was playing Cold Steel 3, I noticed that... Uh, your Reen performance felt as if you had appropriately aged him up a bit. Um, oh, that was 100% deliberate. Okay. It was okay. actually harder for me to voice younger Reen in the previous games than it was for me to voice older Reen in Trails of Cold Steel 3. Yeah, because I naturally, just... I naturally hear older Reen in your voice already. Right. So... And another part of that is because, you know, Reen has his moments of being super intense, and when I'm at a higher pitch, it cut... It, the higher my starting pitch is, the less range I have to go up in yeah. pitch before my voice threatens to crack, especially with, like, super high-pitched voices. Mm-hmm. So when I was voicing older Reen, it's way easier to do the all-out shout because I'm starting from a lower position. My vocal cords are, are more prepared to handle that. Mm-hmm. So it was it was 100% deliberate that I was going to just, just add a little bit of baritone, but it was less, oh, I'm going to add baritone, and more of, haha, I don't have to hide the baritone that would uh, keep creeping in in mm-hmm. earlier games, especially when I would do the the very, you know, close one-on-one heart-to-heart scenes. Yeah. There'd be a lot of, there'd be a lot of times where I'd be calm, but they'd be like, oh, your baritone's starting to slip in. You're starting to add some of that gravel. Take it out. This time it was, all right, we need you to add that gravel. Oh, give me that good. Give me that, give me that good, good Tom Waits gravel. <laughs> there you go. Cool. Hold on, I need to scream for thirty minutes before it. That way I can come in sounding like this. There you go. That's that's the reen we all want by like Cold Steel Seven, I think. <laughs> by Cold Steel Seven, he's like, yeah, yeah, just uh, don't kill yourselves. Like, go out and destroy the robots. <laughs> Be happy, all that crap. Where's that damn cat? <laughs> Bibbity bobbity boop, can you magic away my lung cancer? <laughs> Valimar, Valimar the. 
found by the Ashen Knight. He wasn't ashen to start with. I just keep coughing on him, and all the all the smoke has discolored his chest. You've somehow given Valimar cancer via just just normal contact. I don't know how you did it. He, goes, he just goes, Valimar. Then he said I have three months left. I don't know how to tell you this, buddy, but I'm dying. And Valimar just goes. Acknowledged. 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 <laughs> All right, I had a follow-up question, but let me laugh for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> we have a good time here. We have a good time here. Uh, so maybe I'm just pulling too much from the context. Um, but when you said the difference between younger Reen and older Reen, when you came into cast Reen for Cold Steel One, uh. Were you already were, they, were you directed to be like oh hey, uh, you should keep this reen sounding younger because by the yeah, third yeah, yeah. or fourth game it, it was as simple as saying you know he's around this age in teenage years you know with any recording session you'll come in and they'll usually play like a vocal reference uh, either the one that they liked or the one that was closest to what they want and then you'll they'll have you give a couple lines for level they'll you'll tweak it until you get into the character voice and. Something else that will often happen is you'll you'll get into the character voice and you'll do the first section of lines, but usually by the end of the session, they'll have you go back to the first 10, 20 lines and redo those because, sure, you found the character voice, but it takes a little bit longer before you found the character themselves. And so okay. the end of your session will actually be closer to what they want going forward than the very beginning, and it's not uncommon for them to go back and say, all right, now that you know who he is as a character. Let's go back to the beginning of the session and redo these ten lines. Wow. Okay, interesting. That's cool, okay. actually. Yeah. So, like, uh, when, when you go into a project, like, let's just continue using Cold Steel for a reference point. Sure. Because, I, I, because I, you've worked with a lot of established series. Um, when you go in for a role like Reen Schwarzer, did you know that like this was a part of a very large series with quite a legacy and quite a, a, a dedicated fan base going in, or was this something you kind of figured out once you once you snagged? Yes, that? but with reservations. Like for example, you know, as the story goes, I TV tropes the hell out of Cold Steel One before I ever came in to record. Oh, wow. so when when the director thought they were going to be informing me about the events of Cold Steel One, I was asking them questions about plot twists in Cold Steel Two. Oh, so, wow. I already knew about like the breadth of the game, but at the same time, I am very careful never ever to assume that I am guaranteed to come back because we see what happens with stuff like the Powerpuff Girls. Mm -hmm. We see with, with stuff that happened with Metal Gear Solid Five. You know, um, we see stuff that happened where there was that case where one of the Tales of characters from I think Tales of Vesperia wasn't able to come back. Right. Um, so I am always grateful for each job that I get. And, of course, I hope that future things will be localized the same way that I hope, you know, uh, ReZero Season 2 gets dubbed now that it's been announced in Japan. Mm -hmm. But I never I never spend money I don't have yet, if that makes sense. That, that makes uh, – yeah. Yep. Yep. In fact, I'm so scatterbrained, I often forget when I'm still due to be paid for projects. I can't begin to tell you the number of times that a check shows up in the mail for a video game session. I went, oh yeah, that's right, I did work on that two months ago. So you get, like, already... you get like little presents every now and again, because you just, by virtue of forgetting. It is the best feeling in the world, and then I have no qualms whatsoever about treating myself to a $20 curry dinner. There you go, you absolutely deserve something like that. 
Okay. Moving on. After five, what you got for me? Um. Look at this guy. He didn't even come prepared. Look at this. I have hey, a big hey, time. Hey, I get a big time hey, voice hey, actor on my podcast, and this motherfucker comes in. Can't even be prepared. <laughs> uh, this is a bit of a, a bit of a callback to the previous discussion um, about uh, casting for anime versus video games. Uh, would you say that having multiple roles is kind of the uh, the biggest separating factor? Like, is um is the process for casting for an anime character relatively similar to a video game character? God, the answer to that is I have no freaking clue, and that's because <laughs> that's because there's so many different facets that go into it. There are clients that like to cast based on whether the actors look similar to the characters because they want to go for like the idol casting sort of thing. Oh, there are cases mm. where people get cast because they go um oh well we wanted to cast you as this character but we already have this other actor who sounds similar to you so we're going to cast you as this character instead who sounds way different um there are cases where uh what are called utility actors get cast because they are able to come in and fill like five six seven roles um uh, and it just helps round out the production process so I'd like to say that there is a difference, but the real answer is I don't think that's the only factor, and I couldn't even begin to list what goes into the casting decisions on any particular project. So it's um, it's just like this completely ominous, weird box that, like Pandora's box, that you can't right. even begin to open because you there have are, no way. There are skill sets in each medium that, if you are good at that specific skill set, it will help you in getting cast. For mm -hmm. example, if you can give an emotional, context, contextual nuance to your performance while also matching very specific lip flaps to a fraction of a second, you'll probably do really well in anime. Uh, that's not something that's necessarily required in video games, although a close comparison is when there's a time limit, like you can do whatever you want with this line, but it has to be 2.5 seconds or less. Um, uh, but, you know, for example, to give a video game specific example, a lot of video games have uh, character archetypes. There are, there are JRPGs out the wazoo, and Japan loves their character personality archetypes. So if you can figure out, like, oh, this is the brutish sidekick. Oh, this is the timid mage. Oh, this is the guy who has a secret agenda that the party doesn't find out about until three quarters of the way through the game. If you can nail the sound that those characters end up having over and over and over again, like Yuri Lowenthal manages to do with the Marth types, you'll get cast over and over and over and over again. That's another thing, though. Sometimes you have no control over it. There is a sound that... that uh, certain ca character types have. There's a certain sound that Yuri Lowenthal has, that Max Middlesman has, that Bryce Pappenbrook has, that the that is just fits so well for the same types of characters over and over and over. Mm -hmm. Does that mean mm -hmm. it's impossible <laughs> for me to get cast as those characters? No, but it does mean that if their natural sound is already a better fit for the character than what I naturally sound like. That's just another barrier on the hill that I've got to climb up in order to get cast for those roles. And I'm not saying that out of bitterness. I'm just saying it's just yet another facet that may be outside of your control uh, when it comes to the casting process. 
that's that's really helpful okay. actually uh when you yeah. yeah when you consider like the number of up and coming uh voice actors and actresses i'm sure that that listen to these things kind of like having that like the like understanding that side of the process i think is super important and i think that no like not a lot of people go in kind of understanding how important that side of um, think of it like tom is. holland as spider-man or tony yeah. stark as uh or uh, robert, robert Downey jr Downey, see yeah. exactly it's just like tony stark instead of the actual actor's name <laughs> Like it's synonymous. It's the, like they've the created. question in Hollywood for years has been, who's going to be Iron Man after Robert Downey Jr. is done? Mm-hmm. Is it even worth doing another Iron Man after Robert Downer, Downey Jr. is done? And that kind of stuff happens in voiceover as well. Yeah, that's that, that's a very important thing. So, so it's that, that, that that's a huge reason of why you need to continue honing your craft and, and being able to expand upon what you do. Because conti- the, the more you continue to have to offer, the better the situation is going exactly. to be. Exactly. The first step is to find out what are my strengths. What can, what am, what about my skill set is already marketable? Mm-hmm. And then you fine-tune them to be as perfect as they can be. Mm-hmm. Then, once you're able to make a good amount off of your strengths, then you turn around and go, either A, what are my weaknesses, or B, what is something I want to be doing more of that I'm not currently doing more of? And once you've decided, or maybe B is also A, then you start looking into, well, what can I do to make that into a strength? Whether it's workshops or listening and copying performances of the character types that you want to play or that you don't get to play as often. Mm -hmm. Uh, So focus first on making your strengths the strongest they can be and then focus on making your lesser strengths into strengths so that and just keep doing this i, I, I visually it's like a zigzag um uh, uh, you know, you go up, then you then you look at something that's further down, and you bring that up. You go back down, bring that up, and you will continually add to the range of what you're able to do. And the more, like you said, the more you're able to do, the more opportunities you find will come your way. Fantastic! I, like that's mm. probably the best and most solid advice you could give somebody, other than like, like you're literally giving us a free clinic on. You know, like the ins and outs of voice acting from both, you know, being behind the microphone and kind of the meta that you sort of have to think about. The number one thing I tell people is don't try not to set goals that have a time limit on them because part of not being able to know the casting process is you have no real control over when you will be cast as something. Uh, The big lesson that I teach is opportunity plus preparation equals success. You don't know when those opportunities are going to come up. So all you can do is spend your time being as prepared as you can be so that when the opportunity presents itself, you can knock it out of the park and make the most of it. That's you can't get any more solid than than that kind of advice right there like especially in that kind of industry like where like your entire trade is based on all of that <laughs> I, I mean on top of you know the voice thing right 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 so are there any roles that you've gone blind into and came out the other side and been like holy crap now i'm the world's biggest fan of this uh jojo's bizarre adventure oh, i see I that's, a big, see, I, that's I, a big one that's a big one I had seen minor clips of it beforehand, but I hadn't really understood what it was about mm-hmm. until I was voicing for it or I was watching episodes before my recording session to, to get a feel for the show. And it is so far up my alley. It is so ADHD. It's let's take this ragtag mystery ink group of attractive men and with with amazing fashion sense mm-hmm. and give them stupid powers, just the dumbest powers <laughs> and make it work. 
be like, what would happen if someone who had the ability to control bullets at will met with someone who could just freeze rocks in midair and use them as stepping stones? And now he can just float because he can just float and he can attach you to a truck because why not? All right, let's see what happens. Um, it surprises like me that one... you were not already into this. Knowing your tastes that I do, knowing that you weren't already into this is kind of astounding is, to me. It is so off the wall and yet manages to like the solutions they come up to for things is so dumb. And I mean that in like the geekiest, best, most exciting way. You legit have no idea how they're going to solve this. And then they do. And then they just move on. Like, well, that's one problem solved. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like Jojo's Bizarre Adventure to me always sounded like, what if Toho except way more macho? Like, the stuff that would be, like, the climactic final twist battle in other series is villain of the week in yeah, JoJo's yeah. Bizarre Adventure. It's just, yeah, it, it, that that show, it, that property entirely is, like, on 11 all the time. There's there's an episode of JoJo that is literally like, here's, here's the current problem. The gang are traveling inside of a turtle, but now everyone is aging to death because of a warm mist that you can counteract with ice cubes, but we're going to manage to overcome this by literally splitting our body into 25 different pieces. That's the episode. That's, that's, that's self-contained. That is the, that's literally the most bizarre thing I think I could have heard about this show, and it really fits. It is a wonderful duang. Yes! That's, holy crap. Was not expecting that. Um, holy crap. <laughs> Sorry, just that explanation now. It's getting to me. I've never seen JoJo myself, so having like having had that explanation just kind of is fucking with me. If I had to give an example, I'll Noah Zero is an example of an anime where I was like, this makes no sense. And then two minutes later, they would explain it. And I'd go, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is a case where every two minutes I go, this makes no sense. I love it. Yeah, yeah, and and that's, like, entirely my shit, is that, like, the bigger and dumber something is, the more apt I am to absolutely love it. And, and yeah, my my, my co-workers ruin JoJo for me entirely. Their fan base that's just like, oh, boy, everything's a reference, huh? (laughs) Oh, boy, loving it. Loving it. That's good stuff. So, like... On that, like on the note though, like what are what is a role or roles that maybe you, you ended up with that ended up being the most interesting or perhaps the most meaningful, like meaning something to you on a very deeply oh, personal I level? I give such a cop out answer for this Uh-oh. because, like I said, part of staying humble is that I find something from every role to take right, home for me. Right. I would say. Oh. Rivali and Subaru, I know I know those are big roles, but hear me out. Rivali and Subaru are interesting because they are both incredibly proud roles that also taught me really harsh lessons. Mm-hmm. Subaru is a role that I am so upset that just no one cares. Um, and and it's, it wasn't necessarily because the audience didn't care. A lot of it was like, just just production politics. It was the DVDs had quality issues. It didn't get picked up for Toonami, so it was a DVD-only release. Um, you know, and I don't know if this affected it, but you have to understand that it was a DVD-only release or uh, from a company that is known for simuldubs. So their yeah. focus is on simuldubs. So it was, it was a series that 
it was a big deal for me. It was a huge undertaking. I had to do a lot of super vocally stressful stuff. And I don't think really anybody got to experience it because it just kind of into existence and then out of it just as quickly. Oh, that's, that's a <clears throat> so kick it in was the nuts. A, it was a lesson that just because you had to work super hard for a project is no guarantee that it's going to get the attention that you want it to get. Mm. And you just have to deal with that. Like, you know, thank goodness you get paid just for doing the work, not based on how well it does, you know? Right, right, yeah. Um, and, and it's just a reminder that you have to you have to find enjoyment in the work and not out of hoping that the work becomes a big deal because stuff like that can happen where Subaru Natsuki was easily one of the most vocally challenging roles I've ever had to do. And it was also probably the least I'm, – I'm trying to think. It was the biggest role I had that had the worst exposure. So, so go um, out and check out ReZero if you haven't. By all the legal means necessary. Yes, and, and for listen, sure. And listen to this man pour his heart and soul into a vessel that there is a There is a scene in ReZero. There's, there's two ones that I bring up. There's a scene in ReZero where I am a background voice. I'm not even the focus of the scene. It's a different character. I am in the background losing my fucking mind, screaming bloody murder for 45 seconds straight, culminating in an anguished cry of despair. Mm-hmm. All right? I did that in one take. Oh my god! Oof. You wouldn't want you wouldn't want to do I, something like that. I told like myself. That. I told myself. I said, "You can either do this right and totally throw your voice out, and it's going to sound amazing, or you can do this wrong and totally throw your voice out <laughs> and still have to do it again because they didn't. You didn't get it right the first time." So I, the character in that scene has his arms chained up behind him to a wall. So I literally held my arms out behind me to the point of it being uncomfortable and slightly painful. And I let that discomfort feed into my, my anger and to the, my, my yelling. And I did it. And the, the director goes, all right, well, uh, we're going to do a safety take because we have to, but I'm going to tell you right now, uh, what you just did is what's going to be in there. So (laughs) have fun. Wow. Um, so there was that scene, and then there's another scene where my character is fighting off being possessed. But they didn't have the other actor as the other character voicing his character possessing me. So there is a scene where I am voicing as Subaru, and then being taken over as the other character, and I'm voicing as the other character inside Subaru. So I'm imitating this other actor's performance, and then in the same take, I'm switching back to Subaru trying to fight him off. Wow. That, wow. That's a lot to kind of try and process. Like, in, in terms of trying to process that mentally as a performer, as well as executing that, you know, and, am, and nailing it. I am so proud of how I pulled it off. And that's why it hurts so much that the series didn't get a lot of attention. But you know what? That's something I can always refer to. This is what harkens back to the, uh, you know, the quote uh, I stole from somebody is nobody goes out setting to build a brick wall, which is very bad phrase timing in this day and age. Um, (laughs) Instead, he says, I'm going to focus on each independent brick and I'm going to put it down as perfectly as I can. And I'm going to do this for every single brick that I lay. And over time, the brick wall is going to come into existence and it's going to be comprised of all these perfectly laid bricks. So whenever I go into a role, I don't think about how much it's going to mean for my career down the line or if it's going to open new doors of opportunity. I just go, 
I'm going to do this. I'm going to place this brick as neatly as I can, and I'm going to do this every single time that I'm cast. And you're building, essentially, your own wall of of just really cool shit and honed skill, learned ability. Like, you're building your own wall and not worrying so much about what it does for you later because that's already going to sort itself. Right. Um, it's just, if you focus on the now and break things down... You, you, you have a like that's a really good mindset like uh, I work in a, a, a studio who knows who knows what it's exactly. gonna be in five years ten years from now when I moved down in California to California in 2012 do you think I had any idea that in five years I was gonna be on a release day Nintendo switch game like I don't think the Wii U existed at that point yet. That's no, like, yeah, like, and when you get a role like that with somebody like a Nintendo, is there like different from say like an anime role or another game role but like to be honest with an no, with a, like there's no difference Nintendo at all obviously published it but the recording was done at formosa and formosa is the, oh, uh, right, one of the dubbing right. studios here in los angeles yep. you know there's other games that i've done through formosa so the the actual recording process was really no different it was exactly the same as trails of cold steel 3 i come in there's the director there may be a representative from the company sitting in just to make sure that i i am doing what they request for the first couple of sessions mm-hmm. there's the sound engineer we get into the character voice and then we do the lines and and from there maybe the only difference is how the script is presented you know but outside of that whether it's a triple a nintendo game or a smaller indie game it's pretty much the same wow that's that's good to hear that's good to hear because i figured like with nintendo being this monolithic presence you figure that there would be like this extra layer of oh yeah i was know. sitting at, I, when it was time for the recording session they actually broke into my house and they black bagged <laughs> me and took me into their, their nintendo mobile and it was great i got so many street passes on the way to their hq um and and they took the bag off and they and they put me in front of the microphone and they they showed me like this little counter at the top that had like three X's and they told me that if I went past two that I'd be slaughtered on the spot as is you know commonplace Obviously. in this industry it's yeah. very cutthroat literally literally um, and I'm alive so I didn't screw up too bad you you were the best bird that you could be I did I did get one X when I farted in the middle of a take but I'm sure you can understand I understand and appreciate those takes. I'm the kind of person that I play I, I play fart noises into uh, musicians and voice actors uh, headphones all the time just to kind of loosen them I up. I fart into the headphones. That's well. That's I, I mean, why not, right? You're marking your territory. That's how I look at it. I'm I'm I I call them warm ups. Warm ups. <laughs> I'm warming them up. <laughs> warming them up. Just getting them nice and warm. So so uh, we're gonna we're gonna start winding things down a little bit. We um uh who are some up and coming voice actors and actresses that you would like to give a shout out to because Michael Kovac. Michael Holy Kovac. shit. The voice of Angel Dust from Has Been Hotel. And I also I first heard of him from a project called Blush Blush, which is kind of like a male dating sim mm-hmm. uh, uh, progressive idol game. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael Kovac. I, I hope I'm saying that correctly. If he's not already a big name, he is going to be a must have actor within the next year. Easily. Right. Easily. Um, on the female side, Lizzie Freeman is finally getting the attention she deserves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she she can do creature voices very well. Uh, she's been building her video game portfolio. She is. Uh, I know her most. My favorite is because she voices a character named Lily in Dragalia Lost and Shadowverse, and she said it was the highest pitch she's ever had to hit in her career. Mm-hmm. Um, she's she's definitely up and coming, if not already established. Um, I want to give one more something off the wall. 
Kellen, Kellen Goff is pretty established, but he's very good. You would not believe the seductive voices that man can produce <laughs> from his throat. But he voices this Fenrir, like this male wolf character for either Smite or Paladins. And let me tell you, I have never been more attracted to a character he's voiced. Oh, wow. <laughs> is, this a, is this an on-air confession? He's, he's got... <laughs> He's got, like, I can't do it. I can't, you have to understand, any attempt I'm about to make is not even one-tenth of what he does for the character. But he does, like, this this low-pitched growly, like, Narr. But it's it's so hot. It's so attractive. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Um, but let me see. i got to think of one more up-and-coming. Um... I'm I'm trying I'm trying to think of someone actually new rather than someone who's just not getting the attention that they deserve or even someone who isn't getting the attention they deserve. But all the people I can think of are now finally starting to get the roles that they have been earning for years. Mm-hmm. So um Oh man. Uh if there's another question, ask it. I'll all come right. back to this one. All right, all right, all right. I'll tell you what, we will come back to that. Why don't you, like, as a way to kind of close this out, we do a podcast and everybody kind of gets to talk about, like, what they've been doing recently. What do you do other than just voice act? Because obviously that's not the only thing you do. You got any games you're playing or anything that the you'd want to talk thing, about? And this is why I'm so grateful that voice acting's been keeping me busy. The big thing that's been eating up my time is Dragalia Lost. Uh, oh, Dragalia really? Lost is a mobile game that was produced between Nintendo and Psy Games. Mm-hmm. Um I have far since crossed the threshold of whaledom on it. Uh-oh. I've spent about $8,000 on the game so far. What? However, what? this was not something I intended. Uh, alliances started in the game about four or five months ago, and so I decided to become the leader of my own alliance, which is appropriately named Tryhards. Um, <laughs> $8,000 is just, pretty I fucking just, tryhard, Sean. I didn't... I didn't add people based on them being good players. I just added people based on how often I played with them, if they were already part of a group. So it wasn't, we weren't trying to be tryhards. It was a self-mockery. However, uh, we are now one of the top performing alliances in the world for Dragalia Lost. And it's all um, thanks to you, of course. No, I, I chalk it, it up to my players, but like... No, let's be honest, it's all you. It's it's to the point where there are now underground, underground, underground discords that only the top level, like, that you have to be vouched for by, like, 12 other players before what? they'll add you to it. And it's specifically to be a server for people who want to just clear content without dying over and over again. And at least five of my Alliance members were instantly invited into that group because they had such a high reputation. So... It's weird, man. It's but, like I'm not trying to I'm not trying to flex on everybody. We just happen to be the fourth fastest clearing group in the world for certain trials. That's like that's starting to sound like some Eve online shit. The way people are just getting plucked from groups and recruited and shit. Like that's the kind of shit you hear about in Eve online with those oh crazy ass God. stories. Like that's ridiculous. So that's so you, Big old That's phone the big game. thing I'm focusing on, and and it's been keeping me from doing. I've really wanted to play Dragon Quest Eleven. I'm looking forward to Crystal Chronicles early next year. So there is a very big game backlog on me right now, and I I feel bad that I haven't been able to make time for Dragon Quest. But at the same time, the exact reason why I work so hard is so that I can play hard. So that if there's if there's a thing on Dragalia that I'm like, I may end up spending two hundred dollars to chase this. You know what? I worked hard enough that financially I can afford to do that. So, 
Yeah, like, it's not irresponsible. You literally are just earning your playtime, and, like, and, and that's a great motivator uh, to keep it's, doing the things that you want you to know, do. You know, there are people that I would say, oh, I spent $400 this month on monthly packs for the game. They'll go, why would you spend $400 on a mobile game? And I ask myself that, like, am I living within my means? But I also look at it, one, I'm only living one life. Yeah. So when I'm dead, that money's worthless. Live the best uh, one. Two, um, I want to. If it's something that I am legitimately enjoying and brings me joy, then I will want to financially support it. Mm -hmm. And three, if I'm that concerned about spending X amount of money on a game, then just work harder to make back the money that you spent on it. Like, that's what it boils down to. The only reason I should feel guilty is if I'm not making sure, if I'm letting it take over my life rather than being my source of relaxation. Mm. That's, that's, it's a balancing act. It's a balancing act. As long as I make sure I keep it balanced and I don't let it start defining me instead of just being something I'm very passionate about, that's what's most important. Yeah, I can say that that's kind of the case even back when uh, you played Spiral Knights, um, is that it came, like, when I heard you talk about it, it came from a place of passion. It was never, like, it didn't sound like a job to you. Whereas it would become a job to me because that wouldn't be what I'm passionate about. But right. yeah, like it's definitely like, oh, like you're doing what you want to do and you're right. supporting it exactly the way. Yeah, like that's incredible. That's And finally, the last two talents I want to say for up and coming, uh, Kiba Walker. He's a guy who does, I've worked alongside with him on a bunch of projects and he's finally starting to make his break into anime. And Brandon Winkler, who is starting to book a lot of lead roles in anime. Ooh, and nice. I'm so happy. Mm. Yeah, so Kiba Walker and Brandon Winkler. Uh, both of them are, are very passionate people. They grew up on anime like I did, and they're they're getting recognition that they've earned. So, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. We have one listener question. Can you believe that? One. I'm disappointed. Wait, was that the question? Can you believe that? Uh, yes, that, that was the question. <laughs> it was just, can you believe that? I'm like, what do I do with this? Um, no, the question, it comes from our good pal, Liranette, and he wants to, he wanted me to ask you, is there any tips for learning an accent? For learning an accent. Oh, man. Well, like any good writer will tell you to read, read, read if you want to write. You have to listen, listen, listen if you're going to practice. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, part of a, a big reason why I'm able to do any sort of believable British accent is because I, my father, rightfully and logically, grew me up on Monty Python. That's so, good. of course... You know, I got to hear all the Cockney accents from people who are being silly. And of course, you know, the more regal, uh, very prestigious King dialect of British accents. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it's, you know, you look up tutorials on YouTube from reputable sources. Um, I, I remember that there are there. Uh, I almost want to say you should go bug Edward Bosco because I remember him talking about an accent slash dialect book that would write out how certain words would look like if you if you wrote them out instead of just saying them uh one of the most common example is if you say rise up lights rise up lights you're already saying razor blades in australian rise oh, up wow. lights oh wow that's that's actually oh, right? good that's good okay clever so that stuff like that like just find different ways to uh, to either put it in, in a format you can read or in a format you can listen to and repeat. Mimicry is a huge part of learning. Um, just learn from reputable sources and you have to put the time into it. Yeah. You yeah. have to, you have to be willing to sound dumb before you can sound good. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's the part that I could never get over. It's like, I don't want to sound dumb. I'm far too intelligent. Like, I can't do that. I can't dumb myself down. What are you talking about? Um, the other thing I will say is the reason why you should spend a crap ton of time practicing. You should not audition for an accent unless you can s- convince the client you are a native yeah, for that accent. That's... I am not – I will – you know, I can do – an Indian accent, but unless generally I'll only do it if they're asking for like a cartoony, like campy type of Indian accent. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not going to do something like an Irish accent unless I am con- I am certain I can make it sound like an actual Irish person, especially mm-hmm. in an industry where more and more they are looking for actual diverse casting because now more actors of authentic ethnicities are jumping into the fray and good for and them. That's I, good. I'm that's supportive of them. yes, absolutely. Yeah, the, the the more the more native speakers and the more people of color we get into this kind of profession, I think that just the, the entire spectrum just opens up and starts sounding even more dynamic and fantastic. That is another thing I will add. I just want to make a very careful distinction. Impersonating an accent is worlds different from impersonating an ethnicity. Okay? Yes. Yep. Do not, if you are not an African-American talent, do not audition for a role that is asking for an African-American talent or sound, even if you can sound authentically urban or African-American or whatever the client is putting in the specs. Yeah, It's a whole can of worms I don't want to get into, but the fact of it is there is exclusivity happening in this industry that shouldn't be happening. There's no reason for it to happen, but there is exclusivity happening that is taking or preventing people of color or people of certain backgrounds from being able to get jobs. And so there is no reason to make it harder if you do not represent that culture, but you are trying out for roles that that should be represented by that culture. So please, it's okay to pretend you're British. It's okay to pretend you're Irish. It's okay to pretend you're Russian. Do not pretend you are... Chinese or or uh, I, I'm I'm gonna stop because yeah, I'm white it, yeah, and I don't know what I'm talking about. You can get yourself in trouble. I understand that, but but the sentiment I believe gets across very well, and and, and you know I don't think that anybody's gonna misinterpret anything said there. Like the, you can pretend to have a dialect that you don't. Yes. Don't pretend to be a person that you're not. There you go. There you go. And um, before before we do the final you know plugs and stuff, after five, do you have anything that you'd like to ask before we start rolling on out of here? Um, I did have one thing lingering in my mind when you mentioned the whole uh, forty five seconds of blood curdling and the the uncomfortable position uh, with the arms behind your back. Do you often like uh, kind of like emote to help kind of emphasize your lines? I'm very much a method method actor. You know, uh, there was a time when I was playing a very bookwormy, like I think I'm smarter than everyone else in the room kind of person, and I actually brought in. I, I wouldn't recommend doing this. I just happened to have it with me. I had a copy of Hyrule Historia, so I opened it and held it in my palm like Robin from Fire Emblem. Um, <laughs> oh, that's awesome! I, I will. I, you know, if I'm playing, you know, a cool character who's always laid back, you know, I'll often end up having my hand running through my hair like I'm slicking it back. So that's just that's just how I am as an actor. It's not a secret to good acting, but whatever helps you get into the headspace, embrace it. As long as it's not preventing you from being able to give a clean recording in the microphone. Uh, speaking okay. of method acting, any aspirations for live action, or do you think that you're perfectly fine doing voice acting? If I can do it, I'm willing to pursue it. Fantastic. Let's go. Get your get your headshots out there. Let's go. It, it's it's. It really boils down to have your preferences, but be open to learning. Yeah. Like you never, you know, 
Yeah, and I think that's been like the the steady theme throughout this entire podcast so far is that exactly yeah <laughs> you've summed it up and I didn't even have to. <laughs> you want to take over a podcast? I know <laughs> one. I know one that could probably use a new host. <laughs> Thanks, but I have standards. <laughs> oh wow! I have never been need... so epically burned on my own podcast before. No. No. I, <laughs> I really I was, trying to think of, I was trying to think of how to wittily save that, and I was like, nope, that just sounded nope, mean. That's no. it. It's okay. I've been, I'm way no, meaner. No, this was actually legit. This is one of the more fun podcasts that I've had. Like, the, this was a lot of, of unique questions, so thank you. Yeah, we wanted to just freewheel it. We wanted to just have fun with it as if you were just a guest on the podcast normally. Like, I, I don't want to go... I missed you, okay? I Holly, missed you, too. I missed you. Yeah, like... We lost contact when I changed Twitter accounts a few years ago, and it was just like, wait a minute, I know, I know that guy. Why isn't he, why isn't he on my list? And then Mac reaches out and is like, hey, do you want to talk to the voice actor for Reen? And I was like, I know him already. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I, people just have to remember, I have, I have a career that until like 20 years ago wasn't even that public. It just happened to become a public interest. And it happens to be more public facing than a lot of other careers, like the guy who keeps my lights running or the guy who makes sure my Internet is always functioning. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't make me more important than anybody else, you know, except I, I'm still a human being. You know, you can talk to me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, like, I think that the the Internet has really opened that world uh, to, you know, of voice actors to their audience a lot more, like given the fact that social media is such a big thing, like it can be good or bad, but. I see that, like, you know, like, there are so many voice actors out there now that are very willing to interact and talk with their fans or be on their dumb podcasts for no reason <laughs> and things like that. And it, 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 it's something that I think makes, like, like, when you grow up interested in those fandoms, it's something that, like, we didn't have, like, when I was growing up. So having that kind of access now and seeing the, the, the kind of communities that can be built around various fandoms and voice right. actors and actresses, it's a really, really cool thing. It is. And it's often some of the only time I get to be able to interact with those communities because otherwise I'm busy. So, yeah. you know, people are like, oh, man, conventions are so it's so much work. And to me, it's like, no, convention visits are my vacations because I get to, like, talk about the things that I'm in for three days. Yeah, like that's yeah. Like, you're, you're, again, like you are living your best life now and, and I couldn't be any happier for you. Um. Is there anything that you want to plug on our way out of here? Anything upcoming that you were in that you would like people to go check out? Like, just get, spill all it all. All of the major updates happen on my Twitter. Follow my Twitter, at Sonic Mega. That's where, if I'm allowed to talk about something, that's the first place it gets announced. Mm -hmm. If I'm holding a raffle, that's where the raffles get held. Uh, it used to be, oh, I also have a Facebook, but I literally deleted that because I got sick of what it was becoming. Yeah, yeah, so Facebook is garbage. Twitter is the place. Twitter yeah. is the place right now. Um... If you want to see me at a convention, I, I, I remind people all the time because a lot of people forget, the best way to get your favorite actor at a convention is to ask the convention to invite them. Um, so either reach out to the convention staff directly, their contact page, and tell them, I would like to see so-and-so, or my convention agent is conventions, etc. If you contact them and say, is there any chance you could get so-and-so to come to this convention, often they can also reach out and say, we've received inquiries of interest, we'd like to know if you'd like to draft up a contract. You know, this week, this Thursday, I'll be flying out for DaishoCon. And that's because people went to Daishou and said, we would love to have Sean here. And Daishou went, hey, let's talk. So. That's 
it's as simple as that, really. Like, it, 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 it's not a difficult process to get in touch with voice actors and actresses if you're looking for them on the convention circuit. So, yeah, I've got people. I've got friends that work the convention circuit. I've got and people. i got people. They could put people like you into the ground. Okay? <laughs> but, that, Sean, I really want to uh, thank you uh, uh, for uh, taking your time, giving us an hour and a half of your time when I never yeah. I never intended to take this much of your time, but I'm so glad that you spent Bruh, it with just us. Just like video game sessions, when you're having fun, the time just flies by. Yeah. Like you told yeah, um, it, it, it's it, it, and I know that like this is going to go out. A lot of people are going to dig what you've had to say because I know that like kind of like canvassing what people want to hear me do interviews for if, voice if actors. You do nothing else after listening to this podcast, I want you to go and look up a video of my performances, Noob Cybot, and I want you to decide which side are you on. Do you want me to die, <laughs> or do you want me to live forever? Let me know. <laughs> Let us know in the comments. I'll be posting this on YouTube as well. <laughs> hashtag worst. Hashtag best performance ever. Hashtag worst performance ever. I don't care which it is. Let me know. Let it all out. <laughs> you, as long as you feel better at the end of this, that's I what will, matters. I will make for my thirtieth birthday next year. I will custom order a cake that's either like a white chocolate cake for best performance or if worst performance is it is the, the <laughs> highest one i will get a black licorice cake all right well we've already got one one hashtag best performance ever in chat from our good pal john thyer so that's one uh, that's one in the that's good one. column that's one in the good column sean so again. you guys decide will i get a will i get like a delicious cheesecake or will i taste like two-year expired twizzlers oh god Ooh. oh and it's like the t the just absolute turd of cakes. Imagine, imagine if you had to suck cake frosting through a Twizzler. <laughs> I just gotta so, leave so if you, you get that, the best, I will worst. leave you with that thought. <laughs> All right, thanks everybody for coming out again. Thank you, Sean, for uh, appearing. And after five, thanks for taking co-hosting duties. Uh, it's been a pleasure having everybody here. Uh, Remember, we are the podcast that loves you. We are the only ones that love you. <laughs>